Welcome back to another episode of Can You Dig It, a podcast by SilverScreenRoll.com. I am one of your hosts, Christian Rebus, joined by Jacob Rood. What a weird night to be a Lakers fan. So many emotions, not just from us, but from the, the players that played in Sunday night's game between the Lakers and Pistons. For those that didn't tune in, you might have seen the clips from the game, and not because there were any particularly good highlight plays like Russell Westbrook had a dunk in the fourth quarter that I think energized the Lakers to go on the run that they did. That was cool. Uh, But the video that you most likely saw scrolling through whatever feed you're on is uh, LeBron James and Isaiah Stewart's altercation. It certainly escalated to an altercation. I don't know if that's what it was to start. What are your thoughts? Are you team... Le elbow or <laughs> are you uh well, I where are you? What's your stance? I what a what a night. That's where I'm at. What a what a wild, exhausting, weird night. Uh about, about halfway through that game, leading up to the fracas. Uh I had very different thoughts about how the night would end up uh i may have been editing a certain pre-write that i will let you guys guess what possibly i could have been editing if the lakers lost that game especially once whatever that was that altercation uh was happened um lebron pretty clearly punched him elbowed him whatever you want to call it i would be stunned if he's not suspended um he was in the wrong about everything that Isaiah Stewart did was uh, equally silly. Um, I I don't I don't know what that was about because like Isaiah Stewart was face to face with LeBron right away, and then did nothing. And then once a bunch of people got in the way, he decided to turn into Derrick Henry and just start running people over and trying to get back to him when there's two dozen people there trying to run through the tunnels. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. Just Stewart's reaction and his determination to get back and try to fight them suddenly. <laughs> um, yeah. When he like went sprinting down the tunnel, I'm like, Oh, this isn't over still. Uh, but the Lakers said after the game that that was the turning point. Uh, it took them a little bit to get their bearings straight after that. But, uh, yeah, after the third quarter, down 15, it was apparently Mello that stepped up and uh, told the team, this is going to determine what type of team we are this fourth quarter. I mean, I don't know if it's a turning point. That's what I'm going to be writing about. By the time you guys listen to this, it'll be out. I don't know if it was a turning point, but... This Lakers season was always going to need a turning point, and that's about as good of one as you're going to find if it is indeed one. It was 78-66 to when LeBron James left the game. 
uh, was ejected from the game. I should uh, clarify that. And it didn't get any better from there. I think the Pistons were up 17 at one point. And at that point, I was just like, well, this sucks for Frank Vogel because this certainly isn't a... Before LeBron got ejected, I felt bad for Frank because they clearly didn't see the game (laughs) as uh, career defining or, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it as it was for Frank. Uh, The the sense of urgency wasn't there. And then that happened and they looked a little sluggish after that. I could not tell you what clicked in their heads. I mean, it may have been mellow talking to them. It may have been that speech, but before then, even when LeBron James got ejected, it was like, these guys want to go home. Like, it, this is a November game against the Detroit Pistons. LeBron James was just ejected. And they're not, as a team, in, in the best stretch that they've been in. These guys are clearly just mentally checked out. Fourth quarter rolls around. Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis fulfill all of the non-LeBron minute dreams that Lakers fans had when the Lakers traded for Russell Westbrook. Dominant on both ends of the floor, which is not something I've been able to say about at least Westbrook this season. But even AD, the way he dominated defensively, I don't think I've seen him do anything like that this season. So good win, uh, good fourth quarter, but man, if this game had gone any other way, you and I would have be having a much different conversation right now. I think we'd be having a conversation about who the next coach of the Lakers is. And that we may somebody else this week may end up having that conversation because the Lakers are certainly not out of hot water. Uh, but yeah, I I don't know. I mean, they'd say it was a fight that sparked them. Could be a little bit of revisionist history because there was nine minutes left in the third quarter when LeBron was ejected and as you said that lead got up to 17 points by the end of the third but I mean Melo talked the talk between quarters and walked the walk in the fourth because he caught fire in that fourth quarter hit a couple three-pointers that pulled the team close and then AD singled out that huge dunk that Russ had that you mentioned as the one that got Russ energized got the team energized Um, he still said that I mean, the defense is still not great. Uh, AD said that they're still they're just getting straight line drives and blowbys are just crippling the defense. But he said for the about four or five minutes after that rust dunk, everybody stepped up. The energy was there. They were getting stops defensively, and the the main guys were getting baskets on the other end. Whether it was Russ knocking down a three, those pull up jumpers. Um, I would say one of the most encouraging things, I'm going to watch back that fourth quarter tomorrow. Well, again, today, as you're reading this, Russ and AD seem to have figured out a little bit of a two-man game in that fourth quarter that led to a lot of uh, easy baskets, couple rust layups, couple rust kickouts for three. Um, those two finally, that was the most, like, I've seen them complement each other's games all season long, where it wasn't just you go, I go. It was like, you do something and I'll play off of that. And then, I mean, the two of them, when they're at their best, are still brilliant. Uh, Russ, as you said, was incredible on both ends of the floor. Um, 
He had a couple steals, a lot of big shots, but AD man, I <laughs> it. <laughs> I don't even have words for him, especially the, to end that game. Um, he finished a steal short of a 30.5 by five. Like the stat line he had tonight, only Michael Jordan and Hakeem have done that. And I mean, at times you just don't even realize it. Like he, he's just so casually like dominant. I knew he was scoring the ball really well in the night. He was knocking down a couple of jumpers. His shot looked good, but to close that game, he had the the two blocks on Cade Cunningham in about seven seconds. That was Cade Cunningham's welcome to the NBA moment. Um, he has the basket on the other end that effectively sealed it. He had a steal on the Pistons attempted game tying possession. Uh, he had the free throws at the end. Like he was, he was everything you needed a superstar to be and man the lakers needed that like i said they're not out of hot water yet but my god the lakers had to have that game i think what was interesting to me about watching ad is that it was i guess obvious that he could score on the pistons when he wanted to in the first half and that for the most part, his his shots looked good. I've never I'm never in love with AD's shot selection, um, but in general, I think he was taking smart shots. He wasn't forcing things. Um, what I, I think the thing that changed my perception of that game from AD in that fourth quarter and made me think like this is a really special AD game. And granted. All of this came against the Pistons. The Lakers on paper are supposed to be better than the Pistons, so this shouldn't be surprising. But with the way they played and the amount of effort they gave in the first half, this was like uh, like somebody splashing cold water in your face when you're tired. That's what it felt like to me. And so the thing with AD for me and the biggest difference I saw was AD in the first half was asked to be that defensive presence at center like he has these last few games. Lakers went big er tonight with DeAndre Jordan at center starting him, uh, which I was indifferent about. It, it, it didn't matter. Um, and Anthony Davis what has been asked to take on that role of being that defensive stopper in the middle. And he just looks, not just the first half tonight, but in the previous games, just looks so disinterested in playing that role. Uh, at least compared to being a center on offense. Like, I think he definitely sees that as more of a benefit to playing center on defense. When he is going, like when he gets going and the rest of the team is energized, he likes just being on the court. And I think that is the most important thing, not just for AD, but everybody on the team. When they're having a good time, the amount of, overthinking they do or just mistakes they make it seems like when when they're more engaged and and everybody's rooting for each other the energy on the floor is just better everybody just seems more locked in and i think that was definitely the case for ad on the defensive end he looked like he was having a blast out there playing defense I think that was the case for Westbrook. As soon as Westbrook 
you know, threw down that dunk and got the rest of the team energized. And honestly, the the away crowd too. That was I think that was a big energy changer. Once he saw that, he was attacking the rim at will. And as a Lakers fan, that's what you want to see from Russ. Historically, not the greatest finisher at the rim, but you take him attacking the rim, then shooting just about anywhere on the floor, except, you know, those mid-range bank shots that he's been so efficient at this season. With AD on defense, I don't disagree at all. Uh, I think as a whole, the team a lot of times looks disinterested and that's how they look for the better part of three quarters tonight. Just like uninspired. Like I tweeted something like this team looks like a team that thinks it can just coast through the regular season and be fine when they came in tonight under 500. Like there was just no sense of urgency with this team. And I don't I don't want to make excuses for AD because he needs to be locked in and when he is you see it but part of me doesn't fault him for I think a big thing is the Lakers perimeter defense is bad <laughs> like really bad and I think he's just exhausted of trying to cover up for guys just letting players blow by him how many open layups did the team have tonight there were two separate instances I clipped videos of just massive miscommunications by the Lakers on the perimeter that led to a wide open look at the rim. One of them was Stewart kind of rolling uh, Russ Ellington and Mello got confused on kind of a screen, the screener action and Stewart was wide open. Talon had to foul him at the rim to uh, prevent the basket. And then the other one was hilarious. AD was included in it. Uh, Jeremy Grant faked a handoff and four Lakers bit on the ball fake and he ran to the rim unimpeded for a dunk. And I mean, that specific, neither of those specific instances involved AD at the rim at least, but I think that's just kind of an overall feel for this team is that they're really bad defensively and they haven't been nearly good enough offensively to make up for it. And they're just not, I think he's just kind of tired of doing it, having to cover up all those mistakes. And I mean, when they got energized in that fourth quarter, guys were flying around defensively, trying to make plays, trying to get stops. And that led to an engaged AD doing the same and looking like the generational defender that he is. The problem is figuring out how to make sure that both the team and AD are like that on a night-by-night basis. Um, I don't know. Maybe tonight's some type of wake-up call. (laughs) I don't know with this team. I have absolutely no read on this team. Um, I would hope that tonight's a turning point, a wake-up call, reality check, whatever you want to call it. Um, I could just as easily see them come out against New York and lose by... 20 in front of a rowdy MSG crowd. So I don't really know what to make of it, but or make of this team. But tonight, like I know it was a Pistons. I don't, I'm not crazy about that excuse because like every win matters, especially with this team right now, trying to build momentum. Mm -hmm. Sure. They shouldn't have been down 17 points to this team, but that was a big win. Regardless, you can have big wins against bad teams and in a vacuum, like, yeah, it's a Pistons. You shouldn't be excited. But 
that win mattered tonight. We'll see how much it mattered the rest of this week and the rest of the season. But tonight, that was a really big win. I think it mattered because of how much this game in particular had uh, riding in terms of consequences. Um, I think the Lakers losing to one of the worst teams in the league with LeBron, Russ, and AD healthy would have been a tough pill for not just Lakers fans to swallow, but assuming the front office has grown skeptical on Frank Vogel and his ability to lead the team, which correct me if I'm wrong, there hasn't been a report of yet. Like it's mostly just been Lakers fans saying this team is mentally checked out and it's because of Frank, which I don't, which I don't agree with at all. I think it is a handful of hall of famers at the late stage of their career, wanting to look forward to the fun part of the season, like playoff Rondo times five, if you will, not including LeBron. Cause I think, you know, look that the effort's still there with LeBron. He can still will the Lakers to wins. Maybe not this season. And maybe that will change as the season progresses. Maybe this is finally the year we see some like regular season uh, regression from LeBron James. But I mean, right now I'm not willing to say that uh, beyond that. It, it, it really is to me just an effort thing with them. They seem bored with the regular season even Alex Caruso, I and I promise you it's not like a game for me to mention him every podcast. Trigger warning. Yeah. <laughs> but Alex Caruso last season was asked about the whole playoff Rondo thing. And he said after that run in, in the postseason in the bubble, he was like, I get it. The regular season kind of sucks. It's boring to me now. <laughs> and imagine that, but you've been in the league for, you know, almost 20 years. And I, I think this is the result. So I don't put any of this on Frank. The Lakers may feel differently. And I know a lot of Lakers fans do when we get back from the break, we're going to talk about the problems that may still exist uh, as a result, even, even with this result and uh, what needs to change. So that'll be us when we get back. If you, if you had to list the Lakers problems right now, where would Frank Vogel rank on that list? Uh, I mean, it's pretty far down. I don't know an exact number. Um, I don't think he, I'm trying to think of the best way to word this. He was put in like a no win situation. It feels like um, he's, he was set up to be the scapegoat that uh, even the one year extension, effectively makes him a lame duck coach, uh, just not like officially. Uh, you say whether the front office has soured on him. The front office came into the season soured on him or they would have given him more than a one-year extension. Mm. Um, they so, But this is a defensive-minded coach that has always had his offensive shortcomings that you gave – a lot of really bad defenders. You gave him a lot of really bad defenders and a lot of good offensive weapons. And it's, I don't know if it's, if the thinking was they'll figure it out on offense and Vogel will teach him up defensively. Um, 
I, I, I really don't know what the thought process was with this offseason. I liked a lot. I liked basically every signing in a vacuum, but when you start pairing them all together, um, it, it didn't, it doesn't work when you add context. Um, it, so like, I honestly thought Vogel did some interesting things and some good things, uh, in that Pistons game, um, bringing in, I, I would still probably start THT right now, but bringing him off the bench when he did and in place of Russ in that first quarter, I thought was really interesting. It allowed the Lakers to always have at least one of Russ, THT, and LeBron. Mm-hmm. And I haven't looked, but I think two of them were on the court at all times uh, on the night, or most of it, at least until LeBron was ejected. Um, I thought that was really big. Um He's shown a willingness this year to to try new things. Like he's trying to figure it out. And I think I think you were the one that said this. Um it it's not like the Lakers when when he went big tonight, I knew everybody was gonna freak out. It's not like the Lakers have something that's working that he isn't going to. Right. He nothing this team is doing is working right now. So He's trying to figure out an answer, and on paper, I haven't looked tonight. I can here in just a minute, but coming into tonight, the lineup he went with was it was like the fourth most used starting lineup or five-man lineup, and it was the highest one with a positive net rate. So it was a small sample size. It was only 30-some minutes, um, but he was going with something that had worked, so... I just feel like in general, whether it's the fan base, whether it's the front office, whatever it is, he was set up to be a scapegoat this year. I would still be really surprised if he, I'd be pleasantly surprised if he made it through the season. Cause it means the Lakers have turned things around, but um, he's pretty low on the list of problems the Lakers have right now. It's interesting. You bring up the lineup change because it, it's hard to evaluate these lineups and his rotations uh one because of the amount of injuries they've been but specifically the players that have been injured uh lebron james being the big one Le- Le- lebron being out i think frank said as much for lebron and ariza the two, two of the four forwards on the team them being out kind of changed frank's plans in terms of ad at the center but even with those two out uh, you know, Frank gave AD at the center, I think, an honest try. He had the Carmelo Anthony four or five lineups that everybody's been clamoring for, and there were nights it looked good. Uh, but I don't know, I just don't think it needs, I don't think it's essential that it's your starting lineup. Like, if the Lakers rolled with Russ, LeBron, AD, and you know. DJ Dwight whatever whoever you want and then a guard that preferably isn't Avery Bradley I think they're going to be fine with that lineup and the thing you want as a coach and also as a fan I think we've seen is the ability to adjust and go to lineups that maybe take you to that next level offensively defensively and with the amount of injuries the Lakers have had this season they really haven't had that to me 
this felt like one of the first games where they have had that. Where again, we are talking about a game in which LeBron James got ejected. Um, but even like lineups like Russ Ellington, Taylor Horton Tucker, Carmelo Anthony, and Anthony Davis all on the floor at the same time. That's a lineup you look at on paper and go, okay, that makes sense. I like that lineup. They had another lineup um, where it was like a five-out lineup with LeBron James as a primary ball handler and Dwight. And I know it sounds crazy for me to say five-out and Dwight, but Dwight did have – But we're bearing the lead here a little bit. Dwight had two three-point makes on in Sunday night's game. Only Melo made more threes than him tonight. It was incredible. Just standing in the corner, two for two from three. Uh, but jokes aside, like, I was a fan of Frank's decisions that he made with the rotation. Rondo only played four minutes and 45 seconds, and that was only when LeBron was out. The Avery Bradley minutes I could do without, but if we're to assume that both Kendrick Nunn and Austin Reeves will be in the rotation, once they return from injuries, I think that's your solution. And, you know, maybe that's not the team that wins you a championship. Perhaps you still consider making moves at the deadline that would push them out of the rotation entirely or, you know, potentially move them off the team. Uh, but it makes more sense than a lot of the lineups we've seen so far. Uh before the game, Vogel talked about Reeves and Ariza. It sounds like Reeves is pretty close to returning. He said that if it was up to Austin, he'd be back already. I'm sure a lot of athletes would come back early if that was the case. But I think he'll be back soon, maybe as early as this week. That's when his original timeline would be up, is on Wednesday when they play the Lakers, or the Pacers. Um, but when he comes back... I think he'll take basically all of Wayne Ellington's minutes, all of Rondo's minutes, and a chunk of Avery Bradley's, and that gets you to 20 minutes of Austin Reeves, which is a big net positive. Like, he's been great. We've talked a lot about him. That alone gets you to 20 minutes, and you can take away as many of Avery Bradley's 26 minutes as you want, I think. Kendrick Nunn, I'm not holding my breath on. I don't know what's up with him. They... The way they've been so hushed, hush about him is uh, concerning. Um, that they just aren't really saying anything about what's wrong with him. Um, so I'm not really waiting on him to come back right now. But Austin Reeves is close, and that's a huge bonus for them. I mean, to the the point we were making earlier before I I kind of go on what you were saying. Austin Reeves sticks out so much because he gives a damn and he hustles and he tries and this Lakers team doesn't ever really have that. Um, But on your point with Vogel, the, I was looking up the lineup data. The starting lineup was minus 5.9 net rating in eight minutes. Um, That probably brings them to about a net zero over the season, maybe a little bit below negative. Um, (laughs) <laughs> the lineup that closed the game, the final 10 minutes, Mello, Russ, Bradley, AD, and Talon, in 10 minutes had 142.9 offensive rating 
and an 88.3 net rating, 54.5 defensive rating. They were incredible. Um, I liked a lot of what Vogel did with rotations tonight. Rondo was entirely out of the rotation, which is to be expected. You don't need another ball handler when you have THT, Russ, and LeBron. Um, There was this, I don't really believe too much into it, but there was this kind of weird talk on Twitter before the game about kind of trying to talk about how bad DeAndre and Avery Bradley were, saying that if you waived both of them, no other team would pick them up. I... Don't, Avery Bradley, I think, would get picked up. DeAndre, maybe. But if you're using that logic for those two, if you wave Frank Vogel, he's going to get snapped up the next available opening. Yeah. Like, he is really good, and I just don't think firing him solves any of the problems. It's I've said it before a couple times. Fizdale is not someone I'm remotely excited about seeing coach his team. Um, and your other main option is Phil Handy, who has literally never coached a team. So out of those two guys, I guess I would prefer the one who's coached a team. But I, I, I was thinking about it during when the Lakers were down 15 I don't even know what much you can change with this team, like schematically that would make a difference because it really doesn't matter what you do with your sets on offense, with how your defense is set up. If the guys don't give a damn, nothing's going to work. And maybe that is the point in that firing Vogel lights a fire under them. But until that happens and they start having that sense of urgency, it doesn't matter who the coach is. Like, this team is still going to struggle. I also think it is bold to assume that a coach, like, bringing in somebody or or changing the hierarchy, assuming Fizz or Phil take over, I think it is a really, really bold assumption to think that these veteran players are reliant on a coach to get them motivated. Like, yeah. After the Kings lost the other day, I believe it was to the Raptors, Tristan Thompson went on this big old rant uh, saying, if, if you're somebody in this league that needs a coach to motivate you, you should not be in this league. Like, nobody in the NBA is, is reasonably looking to a coach to light a fire under them. It's good. Uh, and you definitely want a coach that's going to put you in position to succeed. But to say that, you know, Fizz or Handy or anybody else they'd bring in would be the difference between the Lakers caring about the regular season and not, I think is a very bold assumption. And I think the main argument against firing Frank to me is this there are only a handful of like really, really, really good coaches in the NBA. And the Lakers, in my opinion, are fortunate enough enough to have one of those really good coaches, especially on the defensive end. If you ignore this season and, you know, his seasons with the Orlando Magic, where he certainly didn't have the best defensive players, when you let Frank 
play his style with his type of personnel, it his teams are always elite defensive teams and not just elite defensive teams, just straight up good teams. And I think on Sunday night, you saw what the Lakers can be with the talent they have if they do even just a little bit care on the defensive end. Like, even if they just play with a little more energy on the defensive end, I think that makes what they do make a lot more sense. I think, especially if you're talking about a guy like Russell Westbrook, and I think it was two or three games ago, he talked about it being hard to push the pace when you're always taking the ball out of the basket. Like, absolutely. That is something you have to take into consideration when you're talking about, you know, Frank not doing enough offensively and, you know, there's, there's no movement in in the system, which to an extent, I agree. The Piston, Dwayne Casey was running some sets for the Pistons today that I thought were nice. And I was like that the movement in that offense just doesn't exist in the Lakers offense, but you also don't have the personnel to, you know, run a high screen and roll and, and get Russell Westbrook open for a three pointer. Russell Westbrook has open three pointers and he dribbles them into mid range to, to make a pass to somebody under the basket or just, you know, shoots that mid range jumper off the glass. It's not to to me, if the Lakers are going to save their season and I think they can, it's going to come down to two things. One, getting better personnel. Uh, And my my second thing would be, you know, kind of to that first point, Frank, the front office and the team coming together and saying, let's meet in the middle. Like, I understand these are the guys you want on the team, whether that's Rob, whether that's the star players. This is what you want. I get it. If we can make moves around the margins or even in the team mentally, physically to play a style that maximizes what you guys do well, but also what we've done well in the past, I think that is the only way this team's going to accomplish anything because asking Frank Vogel to change who he is this far into coaching into his coaching career is as silly as asking Carmelo Anthony, you know, to become a defensive stalwart in his almost 20th year in the NBA. The, you nailed it. You were going, you made the point that I was going to about how much the defense getting stops has a ripple effect on what this team does and wants to do. Um, the, you're, it's, it's easy to run the sets that the Pistons do with a rebuilding team, with a young team. Um, with all due respect to the guys the Lakers have, like LeBron and Melo aren't going to go out there and run Spain pick and rolls to get Wayne Ellington an open three or something. Um, they aren't going to run some of those sets that, uh, got Jeremy Grant open looks or Isaiah Stewart open looks or whatever. Just not what they do. Maybe they should, maybe they shouldn't. I don't know. The Lakers won a title without doing it. So I tend to lean that way because kind of individual brilliance trumps everything, but there, 
the there are signs that the Lakers are are learning on offense. Um, the opponents on this road trip, I don't know what triggered it, but they've been doubling AD like crazy in the post, and you're seeing maybe more slowly than we want, but guys are learning how to cut and get open off of that and create open looks and whatnot. That's how uh, the Lakers scored a bunch on uh, Sunday is uh, Russ would dump it into AD. He realized his man was going to immediately double AD, so he immediately cut to the basket after dumping it in, and it was just almost a give-and-go that got Russ to the rim right away. And um, that, like I said, that led to layups. That led to open looks for other guys because then you have guys rotating and chasing and Lakers fans have seen the Lakers defense do that a lot this season and know how that creates open looks. Um, there's just a commitment this team's going to have to make to care about these regular season games, I think, overall, that is a change for what they've done. They've been able to go into a lot of these games and just kind of skate by uh, – Usually rosters aren't this veteran heavy, and you have your Alex Caruso's, your KCP's, your Kuzma's, for all his faults. All those guys played hard every night and brought that energy level. They did those. They made those types of plays. It brought up the team eventually, so that your LeBrons, your ADs, occasionally your guys like that could take the backseat and not have to make those plays. It, it happened in in Portland with Mello and Washington with Russ um, wherever these guys have come from um, they've had the fortune of having other people bring that level of energy and they're not they don't have to do it and now they're in a situation where they have to do it like these veterans have to commit to um, playing at that level as they did in those final five, six minutes tonight, every game from the start. And if they do that, things are going to get a lot easier for them. But so far, they've approached these games thinking that, or presumably thinking that they're the Lakers. Other teams are going to not play them hard or whatever it is. They'll be able to overwhelm teams early, and then the team will give up, and they'll walk away to a win. And any team that comes out against the Lakers with a modicum of energy, the Lakers don't know what to do with it. Look yeah. at all the, the mm -hmm. young teams that they played, the Pistons tonight, both OKC games, both Houston games, that Timberwolves game. I'm sure I'm forgetting others, that Cleveland game. They've all been close wins or losses, and – the Lakers just haven't matched that level of energy at all this season. Tonight in that fourth quarter was one of the handful of times that they did it, and you saw the result. The problem is now getting that this team to look at those final five minutes and say, this is how we have to play from start to finish every night. I know year in year, 14, 15, 16, whatever, you're not used to this, but this is what you're going to have to do on this team if you want to win a title. Because if they play like they did those last four, five, six minutes every night, that's a title-winning team. That's a team that can win a title. But if they play as they did the other 43 minutes of tonight, 
it's a team that's not, I don't even know if they're going to make the playoffs and there's certainly going to be a, a huge failure on the season. Yeah. That's the thing. And I, you know, tweeted half joking, but like, unfortunately the regular season does kind of matter. Um, you know, it's a long 82 game schedule. Most games don't matter. And if you, if you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis on your team, you're going into every playoff series with the mindset that, you know, it doesn't matter who we see. We're LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And, you know, maybe that's the case. That'll be the case a few months from now. It's certainly not the case now. And, you know, they do have to get there in order to, um, you know, show their stuff. So I don't know. I, I don't think Sunday night's result changes anything per se. I do think it's important that LeBron James played two games in a row. That's a win. I do yeah. think <laughs> I do think it's important that uh, Austin Reeves is coming back, and above all else, I just do really think that getting this type of win is so important. The thing we talked about last week that you know what you see in players, if you get the vibe that you know, AD's frustrated with the way things are going or there's just bad vibes on the court in general. It's because you're being told, like, this is what we need to do to win games and it's not working. And that's when you start getting, you know, restless with your head coach. And that's when Frank Vogel's voice loses the weight it does in the in the locker room. When you have wins like this and Frank Vogel can go over film tomorrow, tonight, and say, look at what we did when we bought into the game plan, when we were energetic on the defensive end. Yes, it's the Pistons, and I'm sure Frank Vogel's going to say that verbatim. <laughs> um, but I do think that those things matter over the course of an 82-game season, and especially for a team that only has three returning players from last season. So... Um, am I any higher on the Lakers chances than I was before the start of the game? Maybe not. Uh, do I think because they beat the Pistons, they're as good as the Warriors or the Suns who are now on a 12 game winning streak? No, but in order to get to that point, at least internally, I think these are the things that do need to happen. It's, it's baby steps. It was always going to be baby steps with this team. They just hadn't really taken a lot of any steps, certainly not forward, at least. They'd taken steps backwards. Um, but I think, like you said, I don't think Frank will say it, but I there's a should be a lot of I told you so in the film tomorrow mm -hmm. that uh, I told you this is how you should play, and look what happened. Like I said, Frank's not going to say that, and that wouldn't resonate in that film room. But that's that's basically what, that film session is going to be is look, we said, if you do this, this would happen and look, and it's good to have kind of positive film to look at and say, listen, if we play like this, here's the result. So again, with this team, I don't really know what's going to happen moving forward, but I have a little bit of optimism after Sunday night and following Wednesday especially following Friday and through a quarter and or a half and three minutes of the third quarter, 
uh, I will take slight optimism over everything I was feeling <laughs> through those. Uh, we got a kind of a busy week this week. Um, four games in six days, starting Tuesday, starting with the Knicks at Madison Square Garden, then the Pacers on the second night of a back-to-back, Kings at home on Friday, and then wrapping up uh, with another Lakers-Pistons special next Sunday. You and I get oh, to talk boy. about. Uh, oh, I hope it is as interesting as you know Sunday nights was. I could do without the uh, violence, uh, but everything else, um, especially the energy they put in the fourth quarter, I could I could use that for four quarters. Uh, that'll do it for us this week. Uh, we will catch you guys hopefully after a successful week of Lakers basketball and another win over the Pistons when you hear us again.